This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. After chewing up and spitting out the toffees, the clarets come back to earth after having their wings clipped by the canaries. This is the No No Never podcast. Good evening and welcome to the No Name Podcast. Uh, the, the more observant of you will notice that I'm not Natalie Bromley. Uh, this is Tom. Uh, I've got Adam with me today. Um, we're just going to have a bit of a post-mortem of, uh, of what was an incredibly disappointing weekend of football. You know, the, the results on Saturday all seem to go against us. Leeds winning, Everton winning, Brentford winning, of course, as well on Sunday. That gap starting to, to get ever wider. And then, of course, we failed to do the business, 2-0 defeat against the Norwich City team, who already looked doomed. Uh, let's get the ball rolling, Adam. So let's, uh, let's pull the plaster off. How are you feeling after that? Yeah, I think post-mortem is probably the best way to describe it. I can't remember a, a weekend of football where absolutely everything's gone against us like that. Um, just seemed to get worse and worse as the weekend went on. Uh, no matter how much Sky bigged it up, I couldn't get anything like excited for the uh, Man City Liverpool game yesterday. Football could uh, could do one by that point. Uh, yeah, it's been a struggle to get anyone else on this pod tonight. Isn't it? Everyone's uh, everyone's a bit down in the dumps, but we'll do a good job of, uh, of having a good wine and a moan, I'm sure. Honor and a moan covers it, doesn't it? It's, it's hard to to be too upbeat after the after the performance. Let's let's start by talking about the, the game itself then. Um, I think pretty much I, I went down uh, yesterday. I think pretty much everyone I spoke to in the pubs and everything before was was fairly confident. You know, the Everton performance was really good. Obviously, a bit of a setback that Everton then obviously pulled that or win of their own. I don't think they were phenomenal against Man United, but they got the job done. And the kind of win that we used to pride ourselves on, you know, a 1 0, nick a goal and then sit on it. Um, but yeah, even even with that momentum kind of shifting their way a little bit, I think we all expected to carry on a bit of confidence from from Wednesday's game, but it just didn't happen, did it? The the start was slow. Um, talk me through what you made of the first goal, because to me, the, it's poor defending. I think, and I need to get the look with the deflections, but I, I think we could have dealt with it better. I think we we quite often, even though we have eleven men back for corners, we do quite often get. Uh, let teams have a bit of space on the edge of the box. 
Um, it's as if Daesh has worked out all the percentages and, and knows that the chance of actually finding the net from, from that range is um, it's quite low. But he had acres and, yeah, we closed him down as quickly as they possibly could from the starting positions. But, yeah, we left ourselves way too open to that. And um, and it is it it pretty cleanly. But, yeah, like you said, a couple of deflections in off the inside of the post it's exactly what we didn't want um but we need to we need to be better than that we needed to be better from the off um and really take ownership of it and they would vote no matter even if, if they've got nothing to lose they would have been vulnerable if we'd have come out and showed some real purpose from the start um and and got that first goal then i think we're only going to go one way but as we've uh, Sean and stats showed um, the sky kept reeling out at the weekend. Um, when we do fall behind away from home, we really often, well, don't really come back from it. Um, and yeah, it just just set the tone for a really disappointing afternoon. Yeah, it was really frustrating for me because the, the game at Turf against Norwich, you know, they dug in, they sat, they sat in for a point. You know, they weren't interested in, in attacking really, but we just didn't look like we knew how to break him down. You know, there's two centre-halves heading, heading everything away, throwing themselves in front of everything. You know, that's all they're good at, really. You know, the kind of big lumps, championship centre-halves, really. I think Jamie Smith called him in the newsletter today and he's not wrong. But we just, you know, we didn't seem to have an answer to that. And when I saw that, you know, when we go 1-0 down that early, you know that they're going to gonna sit on, you know, a low block and we're going to struggle against it. And it proved that way, you know, for for the rest of the first half. Real shame because, as you say, if we come out and, and flown out and, you know, the Brighton game, um, even Wednesday night, Everton, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes were already banging on the door until we scored. So we can do it and it just didn't seem to be there. So that probably the, the next half an hour, I think, uh, or the first half an hour of the game, certainly, I just we just didn't really look like scoring. Did we? That one where Rodrigo sent Corne away, hit the shot from the angle that you're never going to beat a Premier League keeper from there. But Norwich looked the more dangerous team to me on the counter-attack. Um, you know, such as we have a midfield, they were going through that midfield at will. Um, and it was only really the last sort of 15 minutes, 10, maybe 10, 15 minutes of the first half that we settled into the game and we looked like we were going to score. It's a lot of shooting from the edge of the box, um, a lot of balls in, corners. Didn't really give Crawl a lot to do. Yeah, we're all, all percentage stuff. And like you say, you just played straight into their hands. We were just that Westwood attempted ball into the channel. Um, just really sick to death of watching it. Thought, um, yeah, we need to play football against those sort of sides. They just just ate every ball into the box. Up comfortably did Hanley and Gibson. Um, and yeah, we've made two bang average um, Premier League defenders. Yeah, good in the championship. Um, look like the, the world beaters for the afternoon. Uh, and even that, yeah, like you said, five or ten minutes before half-time, we did up the pressure, but I don't think we still didn't show much quality other than that corner chance. And if you, if it's someone who's going to score from that range, it is going to be corner, and it were a good effort, decent save by Krull, and we had a few corners. Um, and but yeah, it's all it's all set pieces, and um, and yeah, not really looking like breaking them down, and then them on the counter attack getting in behind half midfield with ease. Um, Pookie looked really dangerous every time he got the ball. Um, and yeah, if up until that five or ten minutes before half time, I thought we were in danger of conceding a second, more likely than actually scoring. Um, and then I, I don't know one, whether you want to cover the um, the free kick that we got just before half time. I, I just, 
honestly, it, it, the mind boggles. I, I keep remembering this at various points and just I'm just angry all over again. And, you know, you've got, I think, I don't think many people disagree that Cornet is our most, you know, attacking wise, he's our best player, he's the most skillful, proficient player. We've already seen him score a cracker of a free kick, which I think was, from, uh, it was our first direct free kick goal for about three years or something, wasn't it? Since yeah. before it all traffic. Yeah, yeah. So you, you get that free kick on the edge of the box for our time. You think, here we go. Uh, there's a chance here for, for corner. It's sort of central, so a left footer or a right footer. And uh, you've got Brownhill stood next to him. You think, ah, oh, that's a clever decoy. Of course, Josh Brownhill's not going to take this. All I can say is he must take an absolute cracker in training because he's, he's shooting. It's woeful, it? It's horrendous. It's so bad. I mean, he's got one bleat. Um, he scored that cracker in its mill wall. I think puts him about on a par with Dean West for 25 yards in the top corner. And then that, the one goal he scored in the Premier League, I mean, took more deflections than that Norwich goal, didn't it? How it went over the line, I don't know. But why in God's name would you put him on the free kick over corner? And then, of course, he hits it over the bar. You know, he's man enough to come out and say that uh, after the game that he should be doing better with them. But just, I cannot get my head around why he's on them at all. Unless, like I say, unless he's hitting 100 out of 100 into postage stamp and training, why you would take that off corner, I don't know. That was immensely frustrating. Um, and we didn't come out any better in the second half. I didn't think it was only when he put Vidra and McNeil on that we looked like we had something about us. Um, we'll come on to Vegorst in a bit. I'd like to, I'd like to talk a bit about Vegorst. But um, let's talk about then, if we're talking about frustrating misses, um, <laughs> there's only one that was more frustrating than that one, that free kick, and it was the one for Corne. So as soon as McNeil comes on, he made a difference. I thought he dispossessed the fullback really well, really clean tackle gets down the wing, puts an absolutely fantastic ball in. Uh, you know, it's one of them you could get down on your hands and even blow it over the line. Um, corner makes a good run, keeps himself on side. How does he miss that, Adam? How does he miss it? Please explain. Uh, it yeah, I was up. Um, yeah, he, was just, he was just in. It had to go in. Uh, and like I said, Manil did brilliant. Uh, actually carried the ball. Um, obviously, after the interception, so he had some space, but uh, he didn't look afraid to... Um, to have a go at the Norwich defence when he came on, looked confident, uh, and the ball in's brilliant, great run. It's just in the net, and it's got to go in. And it's massive. It's a massive moment in our season. Um, obviously, you've got to point at everything that Cornet's done, um, and all the positives, and you take him out, and don't know where we'd be. But oh, what, and who knows what happens after that? Gives us the lift. We could go on and win the game. Um, could take the well take the wind after their out of their sails after a pretty strong performance. Yeah, it's, it's one of them things. It, it just it can happen, can it? It's just it's just really frustrating. Got so much quality um, that he didn't put that one away, and I think you just knew it was one of them. At that point, I just you just knew there were no way back, even though there was still 15, 20 minutes remaining. Yeah, we're not. We didn't create anything like he's got a chance of that for the rest of the game. So a couple of balls in the box where Rodriguez got his head to them. Um, maybe could have run a bit better at the target with one. That one that bounced off the bar for Vidra. But yeah, I think after that... 2-0 like, by that point, weren't it? It was 2-0 yeah. when Vidra hit the bar, weren't it? I think. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. After, I think the feeling in the stand was as well that you know that if if we're not scoring them, then it's not going to be a hard day today. So it uh, proved in Norwich. Oh, go on, sorry. Can, no, no, just reverse it. Um, did, I don't know if you saw it in the stadium. I, I was watching um, at home. Um, the potential red card for Lee Smalou, Um Like It's one of them where if he's not booked already, I think he goes in the book. 
um, probably clutching at straws, really finding some things like some excuses as to uh, to what we served up yesterday. But that that could have potentially changed the game. I don't know what. Yeah, what what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I think there was a, certainly a feeling in the in the stand that you know we, when you know he's on a yellow and he and he does that, then you know it, I think you're right. I think it's one of them. It's uh, if he's not already already on a yellow, he gets one. I think his first yellow was maybe a little bit soft. The trip on Taylor. I mean, it was uh, it was a foul, but then when it's like right on the edge of your own box, you don't you don't perhaps necessarily expect it to be a yellow card. What did surprise me was that you think when he makes that foul there, the referee goes over to him and says, look, the next one's a red. He didn't even like consider that it could have been, you know, a talking to or a second yellow. So that that made me think, well, was it as bad as it, you know, as it looked from this end? I think it would have been a too soft, you know, a soft red card, but I, I was surprised he didn't get a talking to at least. And, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised to see him come off not long after that. I think probably uh, probably Dean Smith knows that he's uh, he's got away with one there. But that's again, that's been our season. Hasn't it? There's how many big decisions have we had go our way as well? Not, I'm not. I don't want to sound like an Arsenal fan crying about the refs all the time, but uh, you know, there's there's some big calls that haven't gone our way as well, and you could potentially say that, that was one of them. I was thinking it put me in mind a bit of. Um, do you remember the Huddersfield away game a couple of years ago? What went one no down early in that one, and then uh, Schindler got two yellows, and from there we just really stepped up a couple of games and took control of the game and won it. And uh, maybe if he'd have got the red there, then we would have done similar. But, Ifs and buts, and we should still have enough to beat them 11 now. Uh, just before we sort of come on to some of the selection talking points, I, I, I wanted to just talk about the second goal. I, you know, people love, love to say, you know, when you're in a relegation battle, and we've had it, we heard it about Tarkovsky and stuff, that they're down tools, they're not trying, you know, the, there's no passion. I, I don't really see that a lot with this team, but the, the second goal was just so, it was so easy, and there was just such a lack of. So the ball comes in the box, it's half clear to the edge of the box and just no, nobody moves at all. No one goes to close it. No one, you've got Barnes stood one side of him, um, Westwood the other, and neither of them come out to the man. He, you know, he's got all the time in the world he wants to play that pass. Pukki's got space. He has a touch, then another touch, then another touch. Taylor plays him on side, bad positioning. But it's just so easy. I could not, I couldn't believe that there's no one you know, throwing themselves in the way of that, closing it down, pressuring the ball. It's still 1-0 at that point, you know. And it, the, the body language and everything for that goal, that really smacked to me of a, a team who who think, who think don't have the belief that they're going to get back into it. I don't know. Did it did it look as bad on telly as it, as it did in the ground? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'd say a pretty good summary there. We're amateurish, really. And um, you see better players than Charlie Taylor um, doing similar things. I think Luke Shaw played... Um, J Rod and uh, sorry Vegost and yeah J Rod on side for similar uh, when we scored against United, but yeah the whole goal just no no energy in um, in the defending and and it, yeah just come too easy um, running in on goal he was never ever going to miss he couldn't miss um, and yeah to just give them give them that um, still at one 0 but like you said I think after. 85, 87, 88 minutes, whatever it was, of we'd have no shots on target in the second half. I, I just think we're we were ebbing ebbing to a one nil anyway, and the the belief had pretty much gone. Whether that's right or or wrong, it yeah, it were really really poor from our point of view. Uh, really disappointing to to watch, um, and and real as much as you should expect it at this stage of the season, the position we're in after Wednesday, you couldn't help but get. 
um, a bit carried away and thought this is this is the one. The, the this this is our chance. Um, but yeah, by by that point, it were I think we were done anyway. Yeah, I think you're right. So it's a bad result. Um, so let's let's have a bit of a chat about some of the reasons why it was such a bad a bad result and a bad performance. Um, I mentioned Vegost earlier. That's the first kind of selection dilemma that I'd like to to pick up. I'd, li- I'd like to get your thoughts first of all, and then I'll, I'll kind of chip in with my own as well. Yeah. But yeah, obviously we've paid a lot of money for him. It's not working. I think it's one goal in eleven or twelve, which is not a good return. It's Chris Wood. For this season, dare I say. So, what, what do you think is going wrong? Is it is it Vegas' fault? Is it Dyche's fault? Is it what's around him? Is it a mix? Um, I think well, he's a it looks a different player now than way, even when he came in. Like when he came in, you could tell he had confidence, he had swagger. Um, he could obviously be a lot better with his feet than than we all thought he were going to be. Probably not as good in the air as what we thought he were going to be. Um, but it looked after a couple of games like we'd kind of got used to the way he were playing. Um, and in particular, the um, obviously the Brighton game, the Spurs game, uh, the United game, even second half when he was linking up really well with Gerard, and then the Palace game where he had a couple of chances, had disallowed goal, one um, tipped over the bar. Um, you're thinking, yeah, we've we've got a real handful and a battering ram of a forward here, and we're and we're learning how to how to play with him. And um, I'm sure well, it's the, probably a bigger talking point, but. Um, the the balls into the channel just don't suit him. We played a few of them balls in those games and he didn't get anywhere near him. Whereas Wood, Vidra, Barnes, um, Barnes probably a couple of years ago would have been charging them down, trying to win the throw-ins, trying to win the balls back. He's not that sort of player. He needs to obviously play into his feet, play off him, get players up alongside him and and support him that way. And we just we just haven't done it in in these last um five or six games. Even the Everton game, um he didn't really ever sniff um, at goal, and and I just I don't think we're playing to his strengths. But I think he looks a lot less confident, which you would do if you're not getting any anything the last few games than than when he first came in. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things, um, but we're definitely not helping him out. No, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I I do feel really sorry for him because I think when you look at the record that he's got, one in three in the Bundesliga, you know, he was only he was second or third behind Lewandowski in the, over the last couple of seasons in the Bundesliga. He can't be a bad player. He can't be as bad as he's looking playing for, up front for us. Uh, I mean, I know you've had people like, you know, Timo Werner who did really well in the Bundesliga and he's come over here and, and not done it, but he can't be as bad as what we're seeing. And when, like you say, when we've played to his strengths, when we've got the ball to feet, he showed some nice touches, he showed some ability. And I think you're right, like, to, to be using him like uh, I think Peter Crouch said it, like a head on a stick, you know, when he when he was uh, getting brought on for the last ten minutes, he's not that sort of player at all, and and you can see that. And it's not took it's not took many of us, you know, ten, eleven, twelve games to work that out. So why it's taking Dice that long to work it out, I'm not quite sure. There's no point putting him back to goal and hoofing it up in the air, or like you say, curling it round the corner and expecting him to run into the corner and hold it up because he's not that sort mm-hmm. of player. He's, he's having to play pinball half the time. He's, he's, you could tell he's good with his feet, but he's always bouncing all over the place with the balls we're trying to trying to fizz into him. So it's that's true. Not very as well. good. Back to goal. I think even if you play it to his feet, back to goal, I don't think he really wants it there. I think you know maybe lay it off out wide and, and get in the box. One touch, two touch. That's all he wants to do. You know, he, he should be in and around the box. 
you know, uh, it's, God, I hate it when people say in and around, and I've just done it, but at least it's, <laughs> at least it makes grammatical sense. But yeah, you, you know what I mean? He should be on the end of stuff. He shouldn't be, you know, it's, it, this kind of, you know, boot it up from, from defence, try and hold it up or try and win the second ball. It, it's not working with him there. So he, there's no point. If we're going to keep doing that, there's no point playing him. And we'll, we'll come on to the tactics later. But I would just like to make one point on it and just playing devil's advocate a little bit. I think I think most people are of the same mind that a player with his pedigree, you know, adoption international, et cetera, we're not playing to his strength. But what I would say is when we bring, bring Vidra on, Vidra's doing the same job half the time. They're hoofing it up famously. Vidra wins more headers than him. Now, you could yeah. say, and he's, you know, he's half the size. Now, whether that's, he, he understands the way, you know, what he needs to do with them balls a bit more because he's been here a few years. Uh, you know, is, does he position himself better? Does he time his jumps better? Or does he just want it more? You know, I do get the sense with Vegas that he just thinks, you know, I'm, I can't be arsed doing this because, you know, I'll just get a move in the summer. You know, I'm, I'm probably being a bit uncharitable there. And like I say, the main problem is not playing to strength. But I do think, you know, when Vidra comes on and does the job better, that's a bit of an indictment of Vegas as well. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's hard It's hard to tell. Um, it's hard to tell really when he's getting so little service. Yeah, he, he's really, he looks like he's making the effort, but like you say, you, you don't know what's going on in his head. Um, it's obviously it's a culture change. It sounded like he really hit the ground running with training, all the positive comments from Daesh. Um, but I, I, what do you think about the way if if he'd, do you think he'd suit playing with Vidra better than he would with Gerard? Obviously, you had that initial spell where he were playing. He seems to have a good um, link up with Gerard, but we've not really seen that recently because there's two bigger guys up top. Are we are we lumping it that way? But are we just lumping it anyway? Even if Vidra are on, um, I'm just thinking of the partnership that helped the second half of last season of Vidra and Wood. Um, they've not even. I'm not sure if they've been on the pitch a minute together yet. Would do you think that would change anything or not? It'd be interesting to see it, wouldn't it? Yeah, because the, the last few games you, you couldn't have said. Take Rodriguez off over Vegas because Vegas hasn't been in the games. But yeah, like you say, it worked when it was Vidra and Wood, didn't it? Because you're playing these balls around the corner into the channels. That's what Vidra can do. You know, you saw against Everton or get to the touchline and cut it back. And if you've got Vegas there, you know, tap it in. So it'd be interesting to see it because you love to say leave Vegas on the bench because looking at the pedigree, he's got to be a better option than Rodriguez and, and Barnes, you know, and, and we've, we've paid a, you know, we've paid a good chunk of money for him. So You've got to try and you've got to try and do something to get the best out of him, and and you know we might again we'll we'll come on to how much is going to change and and how much isn't going to change in in the next few games. But yeah, uh, I'd be interested to see it for sure. Um, and it's a bit harsh on Rodriguez. He's not done a lot wrong, but just yeah, he's not he's not effective enough, is he really? No, it's the pedigree. At the end of the day, you know that. Well, you 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 think that Vegas does have it in him to. Um, to get the goals and the wins at, at this level, whereas obviously Rodriguez, Vidra, Barnes have proven that they're not really goal scorers at this level. Uh, well, sorry, Barnes, more recently, Barnes did very well over a two or three year period, but we've not seen that over the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, so yeah, any of them have got to five up in the league, so yeah, mm. but none of them can really complain if they do get dropped. Speaking of people who can't complain if they do get dropped, um. I think the the big talking point of the last few weeks has been the midfield. Um, 
So I'll start by saying, obviously, you know, we've had this debate a lot this season. We know the midfield is the major fault. Um, we know that we haven't probably really got the players in there to to get a cohesive, decent Premier League midfield together. You know, I don't think Cork is he's not, you know, the second coming of Andrea Pirlo. Um, but having said that, you know, he, he come in for them two games. Um, Brown, it let Brownell off the leash a little bit, I think. Brownell got a bit more up towards the, the edge of the opponent's box. I think that helped Veghorst. I think it's noticeable Veghorst's performances have dropped off since uh, since Westwood came back in. Westwood, he's not had a good season. Um, and, you know, I was talking about it yesterday. I think if you'd have pulled that away and there wouldn't be one person who wouldn't have brought Cork in. I couldn't believe he was sat on the bench for the old game. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm exasperated. I have to say that that, that Westwood and Brownell partnership, it's just, it's obviously not working. Uh, well, maybe you disagree, I don't know. But to me, it's obviously not working. And, and I can't believe, we're, you know, we're still churning that out at the end of the season. Um, let, let, let me have your thoughts on that. You know, when do you think it should have, it should be changed? What would you swap? Who's Who would you drop out of them to? Uh, I thought they were the worst two players on the pitch, Brown and Westwood on Sunday. Yeah, I think that was the, the worst. Um, well, yeah, we've not been great in centre midfield all season, but I think that was the worst of, of the lot. It were complete dross, giving the ball away all the time. Um, they're getting in behind us with ease. Um, talked a lot about spacing behind our midfield too this season, but when the bottom side, who haven't won a game in however long, are just doing it with such ease in the first half, really sloppy on the ball. Um, just no real quality. Where yeah, no one like you said, no one could argue with. Um, I think Westwood obviously is the one because um, we've we have seen that performance level drop over a really long period of time. Brownhill's obviously never he's never really lived up to um, well, I'm not going to say the high, but he's he's not really delivered consistently since he's come in. But the like there were that. I'm clinging again to straws, clutching at straws. Whereas the, that period of three games um, where Cork did come into the side, um, where yeah, not just Cork were playing better than what Westwood is now and has done for a while, and though in that small period of games, he brought he seemed to bring the best out of Brown. He'll bring Wegos more into the game, play more, um, more to his um, like preferred style, and I don't know what. With the must, you'd hope there is a reason because, like you said, it is blatantly obvious that it's just not working. And and even though it is a small sample size, why why would why would he not carry on with Cork in the side after that? I don't I don't understand it. Like I think many many people don't understand it because uh, it's not just his performance. Yeah, it's it's the whole side that looked looked better uh, in those games. So um, I'm not. Holding out hope that um, that it will bring him in, but that's that's the obvious move that I think would improve our chances in in the games coming up. Yeah, uh, even if you just tried court with with Westwood, uh, I mean, I, I think for me, like you say, and it is a small sample size, but then if you look at the large sample size of the rest of the season, there's many games in them three with Westwood and uh, with sorry with Brownell and Cork in the middle as we have the rest of the season, so. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be worth trying, and it's. It, we've seen it with Dyche in the past, where he's got. He's just got a blind spot with players. I think the two biggest examples are the promote the season we won the league when he spent half the season playing me at left back and Duff at centre half. You know, everyone's going. You know, bring Ward in and, and put me at centre half. 
eventually when he does it after getting battered at Hull, so we don't lose another game all season. And then the other obvious one is Joe Hart. You know, he's a, a third best keeper at the club. He plays half the season. We're in the drop zone. Get battered five one at home. He drops him, and, and all of a sudden we we drag ourselves out of it. So you know, we, <laughs> that was half the season when he he realised these these errors in the past. This one seems to be dragging on and on. Westwood has been a really good servant in the past, but his form has been horrific for the, the majority of the season. He, he was so so bad on Saturday, like you said, giving it away. His short passing awful, that long ball in the channels, just not reaching anyone, not working. He's always, I, I, you know, you feel bad for him to an extent because he's obviously been told to play like that, um, else you would be kept in the team doing it. And it, but it's just, it, it's just so clear that it's not working. And when you've had that example of what we could be doing with Westwood and Cork in the middle, you know, like, like I said, I'm not saying we're going to suddenly win eight out of eight with them two, but when you're losing, you know. The last six out of the last seven games we've lost and haven't scored. When you're on that kind of run of form, why would you not try something different? You know, it's that old definition of madness: keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. That is what yeah. we're doing at the moment. And I think that's probably why, um, like more and more people um, are losing patience with Dice, and there is that discussion, um, like Dice in, Dice out. I've always fallen very much on the Dice inside. Um, but you can understand why people are saying that when they see this stubbornness um, and and the unwillingness to change. And hopefully this at the weekend where we have just been out, well, yeah, outplayed in every department, I'd say by the bottom side. That if that's not an eye opener, I don't know what is. And he did he did seem to acknowledge it after the game that it wasn't good enough, but. He's probably done that on quite a few occasions and still not changed things. So it'll be really interesting going into the West Ham game to see um, see what he does. Uh, what did you think of Roberts and Lawton and that decision? Obviously, I don't think it's as blatantly um, obvious or caused anywhere near as much damage, but um, that were another one before the game. Yeah, that's this is one area where I do feel a bit for Dyche because a lot of it is it's debt chairs on the Titanic kind of thing, you know. I mean, to me, Rob, I think it makes it makes sense to bring Roberts in because he's you know he's seven or eight years younger. Um, he's he's not as versed in the style yet as Logan, and I think that's why you see him make a few mistakes defensively. Um, I, I could understand him bringing him in because obviously we improved when he came on against Everton. But you know Logan's got a bit more mass defensively. He's better, I think. Um, you know I I was glad of a week without him to see that crap long tray of Roberts. <laughs> I really hate that. Um, but I thought actually Logan didn't take his, his opportunity. Quite a few times he got he got into space on the right hand side, then his crossing was really poor, especially in the first half. There was a few where he barely got it off the ground. And it's like, you know, you've got a six foot six centre forward to aim at in there. I know that he's not, you know, in, in stellar form. And I know that perhaps getting on the end of crosses, as, we, as we're discovering, is perhaps not his forte. But the, the quality of the delivery, I mean, we've had it all season from Westwood. Balls in, it was shocking. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. Those balls in from Lawton. But I didn't, I didn't uh, disagree with it either. Um, I think Roberts got ripped to pieces by Richarlison. Just couldn't do anything right against him the other night. So, um, I heard, yeah, he's probably not been. Yeah, he was okay when he came in the side. Um, added a bit of energy. Um, but uh, I think he said it himself. Lawton's a better footballer. Um, so yeah, I'd. I'd and like you said, I don't think there's that much um, between him. I could, I could completely understand it. So yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, there's not, there's neither of them are, are a, a head and shoulders above the other of them. So we'll just say I don't. It, that's not the kind of thing that's going to make or break uh, the season. 
Um, I wanted to, to touch on what you said about the, the you know, the, the dice in, dice out debate. It's, uh, I think you're right. I think it's starting to gather pace because the, it's obvious to most most fans, I think, or most fans are of the same opinion that there's, there's changes to be made. Like I say, he's under tied to it to an extent. You know, we should have had a midfielder in, in one of the last three, four, five transfer windows. The fact that we haven't, you know, upgraded that position in the summer or in January is really poor. Um, you know, there's areas like, I mean, like, for example, bringing in Roberts, decent signing, but has that improved the team? Not really. Collins, he's a, he's a good standard backup, but he's not first choice. Um, you know, bringing Lennon back, uh, I wanted to touch on Lennon because he's had a few good games and he's since coming back, but, you know, McNeil did more in that two minutes when he came on and put that ball through for corner than Lennon managed in the old game. He gets to the touchline, he crosses it into the defender, we get a corner and the corner gets wasted. Um, you know, so, the, you know, we, we've not brought in enough, I don't think, in the window and they have got a big job on. So, from that perspective, I feel for Daesh. You know, he's working to a very small budget. We've not supported him enough in the market, I wouldn't say. Obviously, before these owners or after. Um, but that said, you know, everyone would say there's obvious things that he could be doing to improve that with, with the limited resources that he has. You know, he's not using Vegos properly. And, and everyone can see that. Westwood is lucky to be in the team and everyone can see that. Uh, you know, things like that... I, I, and I don't understand why you can't see that. I don't understand why we're, we're persisting with this this tactic that's got us one win and three goals in the last seven games, you know, and all, all three of them goals. In, you know, to lose six out of seven, uh, concede at least two in each of them games and, and not scoring any of them, you know, it's, it, it's really not good enough. And he needs more flexibility. He needs a plan B. He needs to try something that's not 4-4-2, in my opinion, if he's not going to change the personnel. And the, the football's bad to watch. You know, we're like that, aren't we? When, when we're good, we're, we're good. But when we're bad, we're awful. And when you're not winning, the football's bad to watch. It's been bad for the last couple of years. The, the frustration's gathering. And I can understand it, like you say. You can't blame people for being frustrated. One thing I would say, you can normally tell when it's really turning is when the fans in the stadium, especially the away fans, start getting on the manager's back. And I didn't hear any of that on Sunday. And I've not really heard it at the turf all season. But on the message boards, the forums, you're starting to see more and more. Um, you said yourself that you were a Daishin. Blake, are you still that now? Are you staunchly Daishin? Have you, have you seen any change? Um, yeah, I think there's probably a, a few reasons, really. Um, but I, I completely acknowledge, and by that, I don't think there'd be any other Premier League side that are just stuck with um, with Daish or with any manager uh, with the results we've had over the last uh, 18 months, two years, um, and for the crowd still to be with him is just shows what a fantastic job he's done over those years. And it'll we'll never know um, really uh, if we do go down this year whether it was that we've just overperformed for so many years, and and then obviously we've we've we were going to go down eventually, um, and and just how how much of a good a job he's job he's done before is now reflecting on. Um, on how we're judging him now, but um, in terms of like going into if we did go into the championship, I don't, I've not lost all hope yet, which I think we can talk about the rest of the season uh, after this point. Um, I wouldn't want anyone else in charge of um, of this team. Um, we, our record in the championships, one uh, in his last two seasons, one fifty two, drawn thirty, lost ten, uh, which is 
He's lost 10 games in two seasons. There's only two teams in the Championship that haven't lost 10 games this season. Um, and on that point, like you look at teams in the Championship like Huddersfield, Luton, uh, Rovers, Millwall, Coventry are still in the playoff hunt. Norwich and Fulham have been promoted or relegated for the last four seasons. Looks like that's going to be five seasons. Um, I don't think that we'd... I think next season we'd have a really good chance of going up, especially with uh, Dyche's record of... Uh, when we went down previously, we lost Ings, Trippier, Shackle and Marnie were injured for the season. And, and he's brought in Andre Gray, Barton, Keane. Like a mix of experience, youth, firepower. Um, he's also obviously got the best out of Austin Ings, Vokes, Barnes at that level. Free transfers when he first came in, Heat and Jones, Arfield. He's, yeah, it's been a few years, but he's, he literally is, he runs the club top to bottom. And if you're going to lose players like Pope, Tarkovsky, Corney in the summer, the last person I want to lose is, is Sean Dyche. Um, and I think with with the core of the team, with a good few additions, um, the, obviously the season ticket sales, the crowd should be up for it. All the derbies next season, um, I would really back us under Daesh to have a really good chance of coming back. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to add to that, because like I say, I have not lost all hope uh, um, of staying up this season just yet. Yeah, I think before we come on to that, um... Yeah, just my two pennies on Dice as well. Uh, I'm, I'm a similar mind to you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sacking him even if we do go down. I think he's got his part to play in the relegation, no doubt. And like I said, there's obvious areas that he's making. I thought he had a, I thought he just had a shocker on on Sunday. But like you say, his record in the championship's really good. I think if if we were to get relegated and we were looking for a manager, someone of his profile, he's exactly who we'd be trying to appoint. Um, you know, I've seen people saying it's going stale. I think that's a bit of a it's a bit like it's the same kind of thing as saying that people are downing tools while they're not trying. It's a it's a bit of a kind of throwaway comment that's easy to make, but it's hard to to quantify. Um, I, I do think I do worry that if uh, it's going to be a big summer, there's going to be a lot of overhaul. We're going to have a, a new look team next season, no matter what division we're in. I think because a lot a lot of players are going to leave and a lot of players need replacing. Um, I think if we had a slow start, if we were something like Sheffield United have been this season, where we're sort of lower mid table after 15, 20 games. You then, then there might there might be some rumblings, but I, I'm with you. I'd I'd be confident in, in his ability to get us back up. And I think with everything that he's done for the club, he's earned at least another season. So, yeah, I, I'm dicing for now, um, and I don't think I'll be I'll be changing that in the next uh, in the next eight games, no matter how badly they go. So yeah, moving on from that, then let's. Uh, let's address the elephant in the room. You said you just said to me there that you you haven't given up hope. Um... If you had to ask, obviously now we're really up against it. We're going to struggle. We're odds on to go down. Um, we've got no form. We um, obviously haven't performed well all season. I don't think you can form an argument at all to say that there's three worst teams in us this season when the I always thought that there has been in previous seasons. Uh, the one reason that I think there is um, still hope is the games we've got left. Um, is, is always taught, well, it's kind of inferred already, Daesh, that we have got nothing to lose. We can show a different mentality um, and go out and really give those games a go. And even when we have been struggling, the games that we've got left um, of the um, 
seven teams that we're playing. Um, so we've played six of them already this season. Obviously, we've got Villa to play twice. Uh, we've only lost one of those games um, against the sides that we're playing. Um, obviously, a lot of draws. Um, West Ham, Southampton, Wolves and Watford we've drawn with this season. We've beat Spurs. Obviously, I wouldn't expect us to go to, um, to the Spurs Stadium or whatever it's called, something not Spurs Stadium, to get anything after the way they've had their upturning fortunes and uh, obviously the Newcastle game we did lose away from home against them that's our only loss against the teams that are coming up but if we get to that point and we've still got a chance I think that goes out of the window it's basically a cup final and I think all of us would take it now if it did go to that last game um, but it there's, there's no we've beat I think Brownhill said in his interview we've beat these teams in the past West Ham's going to be tough next game but then you go into those Southampton and Wolves games and that's just massive. And why can't we get results on them? And that rolls into the Watford away game. Um, and if you've got results for six points against Southampton and Wolves, then uh, then that Watford game is huge again, obviously dependent on what other teams have done as well. Um, and I'll probably, uh, probably be disappointed again, given how we've done against uh, those teams um, in and around us all this season. So yeah, um, still hope yet. Good now, go on. Yeah. Your um, your pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, go on. So uh, I think our, uh, that's actually it's cheered me up a bit, that Adam. To be honest, because you've uh, you used some uh, analysis there, took a step away from the emotion of of the game, and I thought like you know that that stat about we've only lost to to one of them teams uh, previously this season is. That's pretty amazing, really, when you consider our record. So, yeah, I think it's a kind of running, especially when you look at Everton's, for example. And I think really, like, realistically now, it's only Everton that we're, we're capable of catching. I think Leeds have, uh, with their win, obviously Brentford, they, they're just a bit too far out of reach now. Um, I think the reason that I'm so pessimistic, so I said prior to the, the you know, the Everton game, I said we're going to need six points out of these next two. Because... Norwich are awful. They're a really poor team. I was reading the, the program on the train back, and they're all they know the down already. So the, the comments, even from the manager and people, are they're saying, "Oh, you know, we'll keep plugging away until it's mathematically impossible." They know the down. You know, they know they're not going to be in the league. So when you're up against a team like that, and you and you come up with that performance as 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 much as that result, that to me says that we haven't got the stomach for the fight in the same way that we have. In previous seasons, you know, these games, like you said, our record in these games is awful against the teams that are around us in the table. You know, one one win really in a in a crunch game with that Everton one on Wednesday, and and that gave you the hope that maybe we've turned a corner and maybe you know now the chips are down and, and we really are aware that we're in a relegation battle and there's none of this kind of oh we'll we're we'll burning we'll we'll be fine we'll get out of it, um, and you know that result fantastic and I just so wanted us to. To just prove that it wasn't a flash in the pan, that it wasn't a one-off, that we can go and impose ourselves on a weaker team, get the three points that we need, and it just wasn't there. And for me, that's when I look at that performance, I just can't see how we're gonna gonna improve enough to get four wins out of the last day. The only way around it for me is to to change the team, and I just don't have the confidence that the manager is going to do that. You know. If I was going to pick out some positives, I think like you said, the fixtures are good, the winnable games. West Ham away is one of the most difficult and we're playing them at a good time because you, know, you saw what happened to them 
after the European Cup quarterfinal this weekend, they got dispatched by Brentford. So they're going to put a lot of energy, a lot of you know, a lot of their their energies for the remainder of the season really going into that European quarterfinal. It's a winnable game for him, um, and we could get him after the Lord Mayor show like Brentford did this weekend. And if we can go there and win before Everton next play, um, it puts the pressure back on them. But you know, we, we took a massive swing in the momentum by beating them. You could see at the end of that game, Everton were on the floor. Um, and we've just allowed them, even though we've got a much easier fixture this weekend, we've allowed the momentum to swing back our way. But it can change quickly. So if we can somehow go to West Ham and win, and I don't I don't want to see any of this like, oh, take a point there, difficult game. None of that now, you know. We're not picking up the points in the easier game. So we need to win. And that would be a statement win, wouldn't it, to be fair. Go there against the better team, pick up three points, put the pressure back on Everton. You know, then they've got Leicester at home. If they lose that, then they've got Liverpool, Chelsea and Leicester against come hard games. Whereas, like you said, Southampton, uh, Wolves, Watford, that's quite a kind running comparison for us. So, you know, if I was going to get carried away, I'd say, uh, you know, beat West Ham, get five, six, seven points out of the three after that. Then we're out the drop zone going into the last four and then the pressure really is on Everton. But I just, after that performance and result, I just, I just don't have the confidence. I just, you know, your, your your stats were really good. They gave me a bit of hope, but, you know, there's other ways to read the stats in there. And, and we need four wins from the last eight, and we've won four out of the first 30. So, to me, that's the stat that, when I allow myself to, to dream or believe a little bit, that's the one that just comes back to me. And I just don't think we've got enough about it this season, unfortunately. So, I hate to end it on a downer. I think you made some really good points. And like I say, if we have got enough about us to turn it around and go and win at West Ham next Sunday, then we're going to give ourselves a fighting chance. But, We've let a massive, massive opportunity slip this weekend and, and not in a fashion where, you know, we didn't deserve it. <coughs> Bless me, apologies. I'm allergic to the championship. It's uh, it's gaining fast. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's not it's not a positive place to end it. Um, perhaps you've got a, a brighter note for us to finish on. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to bring up, anything else that was worth mentioning. But No, I think that's the... Um... I've got obviously the realistic uh, Adam on one shoulder and the optimistic one on the other. I'm trying to go with the optimistic view, but now I can't argue any of those points you've raised there. Um, it's more hope than expectation now, um, but let's back the boys. Yeah, that's it. And I think we can be as negative as we want on Twitter, and, and I was quite negative on Twitter after the game. But all we can do now between now and then, I've got a West Ham ticket, I've got a Watford ticket, I've got a Villa ticket. I'll be at all them games I'll be supporting the team um, and that's all you can do as a fan do your best to create a good atmosphere in the stadium I thought the atmosphere against Everton was brilliant and, and Everton to be fair their fans made it a really good atmosphere for the Man United game so if we can even if we can help that 1-2% uh, by doing that let's do that let's let's do our best four winnable home games to finish if we get four wins out of them we'll, we'll give ourselves a chance so yeah there we go a, a more a more positive note to end on and uh uh, on a personal note as well it's been quite cathartic to be able to talk through the uh, the weekend's events with you Adam so much appreciate thanks very much no thanks a lot yeah strangely enjoyed it I feel a lot better going to work tomorrow I've had, uh, I've had shots fired at me from uh, all over today working in Yorkshire all the Leeds fans a few Everton fans um, yeah it's been a horrible day but can only get better uh, luckily I, I work in an office with uh, with without any football fans, so it's been a blessed relief for me today. 
Well, as I say, it's been nice to talk through it with you. Thank you very much for your time, Adam. Thanks to all of you at home for listening. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to download a, a podcast entitled Norwich Away. Uh, and so I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Thanks for putting up with me as an ineffective host. Thanks very much to Matt for editing, making it sound good, and to George Gaskell for the music. Uh, you know, what, one thing that I can I can remember is that the musician, the name one, Mike Natalie, so at least I've got that on my favourite. So, yeah, again, thank you very much. I'll see you at the London Stadium on Sunday. Fingers crossed that, uh, that things can improve and the momentum can shift back in our direction. Up the claret. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.